Anyway, you were saying. Oh yeah, exactly. Um, it's pretty great when you're a hypochondriac in times like these. Now, can you like elaborate that. a bit on your hypochondria? I mean, you know, I just like little things happen to me and I'm like, oh no, I'm dying a lot. And right now there's a deadly pandemic sweeping the world. So in the afternoon today when I was sleepy and sneezy and coffee and tired, I was like, oh no, it got me. And then I realized, oh, I woke up at noon, had McDonald's for lunch at two, and um, am allergic to the world, and I hadn't taken an allergy pill. So yeah, you know, just general stuff like that. Yeah. It's pretty great, pretty fun. But some people are dying, Max. Are they? I think the whole country is being hypochondriacs about it. Hey, Fred Willard died. And we should all just pop some hydroxychloroquine before breakfast each morning and just uh, get on with our jobs and um, secondarily yeah. our lives. What's that fake drug in, oh, what is it? They used to like take it, it like was supposed to be a cure-all for like cancer. We're, we're not allowed that. to do a live Google search until at least 12 minutes in. Those are the only people who can tolerate it. Interferon is what I was talking about. Inter <laughs> so yeah, Fred Willard's dead. That's a real shame. Did he have the virus? Not that anyone knows of. He was um, quite old, much older than I thought. Yeah, he was 86. Yeah, he was 86. And then, like, I was lying in bed the morning after he had died. Like, he had died that day. I heard all about it, and then I went to bed, and I woke up the next morning, and I was just looking at the ceiling of my childhood bedroom, which has a poster of David Bowie. <laughs> really hoping you'd say a poster of Fred Willard. God, I wish. No, but... I looked at it, and it was just there. It was coincidentally there. And I thought, huh, Fred Willard was an old man for my entire life. Yeah. He was like, at least, he was 65 plus for my entire knowledge it's of his true. Business. And I probably didn't really, like, consciously know about Fred Willard until I was, like, seven. What, when did your conscious knowingness of the late, great Fred Willard begin? I mean, I know he was on a few, like, Disney Channel and Nickelodeon shows, like little parts here and there. So I think it might have been there. Like, I think he was on maybe like Wizards of Waverly Place or something. Uh, I he was a voice in WALL-E. Yes, uh, he was. He was in some other stuff. Like, I definitely knew he was a, he always played like a television host or like a parade host or like a, um, I don't know, like a, like a judge at a dog show or something. I feel like that was a very common role for him. And he just had like a nice goofy demeanor. Yeah, he had, the, he had the voice for it, like the sort of authoritative voice, but one that's like completely a joke, which is sort of what, uh, what makes him shine so much. Uh, I saw I just, one... Go ahead. Sorry. I, I know, I just saw an article and they described him as like famous for playing like idiots or fools or some word like that. And I was like, okay, that's a little harsh, but... I mean, it, it does feel accurate. I mean, it's accurate, but I feel like there's a more tasteful way to put it. Like, it's, it's famous acting, for being an Nicholas. absolute. He he knew his place. He was always a. Uh, he knew his place. An, an overconfident dum dum like Buck Laughlin in Best in Show, or Chester in 1999's Can't Stop Dancing. You know, you got a point. I guess you got two points. So. Um, what's up with you, Max? How's it going? Um, it's good, you know, it's, uh, it's maddening. I eat a lot of Domino's. 
what I'd recommend, if, if there are uh, frugal listeners who like just shoveling garbage food into their mouth and don't want to prepare their own meals, um, but aren't looking to spend an arm and a leg with that grub dash or any of that, what I'd recommend is the Domino's two for $5.99 uh, deal. And now there you can get like the, for each $5.99 item, you can get a medium two topping pizza, or you can get like wings or like the bread, bread pretzely things, or uh, like a panini. Get two two topping medium pies. It is by far the most bang for your buck. You get at least twice the amount of food in one of those pies as you would from say a single Domino's panino. So I would highly recommend that with tip, if you do no drink with a generous tip, uh, which you should be doing during this time. If you're tipping anyone, tip them good. Yeah. Um, yeah. And with a generous tip, you're looking at 23 bucks maybe for two, two topping pies. I like, uh, I've been doing the salami a bit, salami and onion or salami and spinach. That's in my rotation. And, and another little hot tip, the uh, grilled chicken with roasted red pepper. Now that's actually gonna cost $6.49 instead of $5.99 for the premium chicken. They made that change about a year ago. Uh, but nevertheless, I recommend it. And if you're having guests over and you really wanna break the bank, get the, um, like the pay $2 extra for the like pan, handmade pan crust, it's delicious. But you just go regular and gets the job done, several meals, microwaves well. What you're gonna to wanna to do is take a shot glass uh, or a small cup, put a little bit of water in there in the microwave when you reheat it in the microwave, about a minute and a half for four slices. What that water does is it'll uh, sort of bring out the, it'll steam it a little bit effectively. And don't uh -huh. be terribly surprised if your glass breaks at some point if you continually do that. So just be mindful. Well, you are both an astute businessman, and I think you just talked our three listeners into stopping the episode right there. So now... Let's, let's clarify, though. They're stopping the episode to order Domino's. Yes, of course. Our lovely sponsor, Domino's. <laughs> Domino's Pizza. We, uh, we were going to take in Papa John's, but, you know, Papa, Papa made an uh-oh, and... And also his pizza's garbage. Hey, you get that free pepper, though. The free pepperoncini is nice. It was, he, frankly... He built, he built an empire on free pepperoncini. It's true, but, like, Quiznos has free pepperoncinis, and you can get as many as you want. Wait a minute. Isn't Quiznos a sandwich shop? Yeah. Then it doesn't e Don't even bring it into this conversation. It's a free pepperoncini fast food conversation. This is absolutely no, relevant. No, no. I think we're t we're talking about the pizza. What's so fucking laugh at me? No, 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 we're talking about the pizza franchise world where there is like one famous villain who is Papa John, and then we separately need to talk about the sandwich franchise world where they have their villain, um, Jared. Jared the pedophile. Yes. Yes. And granted, Jared is a worse villain by any means than Papa John, but still, I can excuse the racism. Of Papa John, is that what you're saying? That's sort of the, the message you want coming across here? That is not. That's where you draw the line? Being a famous pedophile. Hey, as long as you don't solicit child pornography or just straight up children, um, 
you're you're in Nick's good graces. Low bar, Nicholas. And I don't want to be part of it, so I'm going to move on to the next topic of discussion. What do we got? What you look like. Oh, what I look like. Okay. This is the last random dumb thing, and then we'll do actual show stuff. So today I was um, I was doing my best Huck Finn. I was out painting a painting a board white, just sitting there in nature, painting up and down, working my way from the top to the bottom, so there's no streaks. And I thought it's been a while since we described what we look like. Like we pick each other and like we go, hey, Max looks like blank. And uh, I got to thinking, and I thought that if like Seth Green was playing like was if if seth green was cast in like an early 2000s like like funny college guy comedy version of castaway like near the end when he gets all bushed out and has a lot of hair that's what i thought obviously he has red hair and you don't but you know if you make a movie there has has to be some allowance for change in the story sure so no. that's what i thought <laughs> <laughs> um, I love, well, you started off describing his role in the greatest teen film of all time. As, of course, you probably haven't seen because you're a young gun, but that would be Can't Hardly Wait. Actually, I did just pull up a picture of him, and he has a beard and long hair, and he does look strikingly like yeah, you. Currently? Except it's red instead of brown. I'm gonna, Pretty uh, current, yeah. See, like I'm... if you Google his name, it's the first image that comes up. Oh, <laughs> well, it's it's gotta um, be. Um, and Nick looks like a turd. That's what I I'm really... gonna say after that one. After Billy will gets into existence. <laughs> My psychic mind power strike again. Um, Nick put me on the spot with this one, and I'm terrible at it. But I would be remiss if I didn't like say who Nick looked like, and I'm gonna go with like. Um, not like a rancher because he doesn't have the build for it. Maybe <laughs> like a de- a depression era. Uh, someone in the outdoors, not too not too desert, but like, like I'm thinking Vermont, but also like Dust Bowl. What's what's a mix between Vermont and the Dust Bowl? Like, okay, got it. Uh, <laughs> Southern Southern Colorado. Nick is like a tumbleweed farmer from <laughs> southern colorado he's a little he's a little not much meat on his bones he's a little you know sometimes it looks like maybe he's gotta gotta get, get another big mac over there at uh, golden arches but he has a timelessness he has a, a haircut that feels like it could exist at any point in the last hundred years my goal exactly. uh, a white t-shirt and he's currently drinking water out of like a large glass like a milk jug effectively sure. it is and, and i feel like yeah he'd be a, a tumbleweed rancher you would just sort of help him tumble along make sure they don't fight yeah like uh he's nick is not wearing a straw hat but like it would fit i think <laughs> it wouldn't be a stock a stalk of wheat between your teeth gotta chew on that cud gives you something to do exactly Alrighty, Max, you got any other nonsense? Yes, do you, I mean <laughs> often. Please go go no, ahead. No, no, no. We should we should get into it. Okay, fair enough. Find some Well, I, nonsense. We're gonna start with uh 
with a big old big big dern awful but i had forgotten for a while that this is a laura dern themed podcast it is oh wait before we do the big dern oh we should talk about dern yeah it was brought to my attention that this week she grew some tomatoes they look delicious. They're little, like, cherry tomatoes. She probably made a nice little salad, maybe some, like, bruschetta, something like that. There were, like, two of them, if I remember. Or maybe that was, like, a different Instagram person's tomato pick. I could be mistaken. Were there two small tomatoes? There are two tomatoes in her hand and several more on the vine still. And it looks oh. like there's quite a good deal of vineage. So don't don't underplay her green thumb. Okay. okay. Um, I would do no such thing. Laura, way to go. Help me God, I will strike you down. Um, yeah, so, she's, that's good. Tomatoes are good. She's hanging out. She's still selling her goop vitamins, I guess. And, uh, she's growing tomates. Some tomats. Is she baking bread yet? Not, I don't think, well, no, a few weeks ago, she did make a strawberry shortcake, which looked really bad. And then <laughs> she, she posted a few days ago that she had fresh biscuits, but we don't know if she made them herself. So we're still- I feel t- like you gotta, if, if they're your baked goods, then you've got to declare them as such. I mean, yes. Yeah, so I not we can't assume we don't want to assume about I, w- I would assume she did not be probably not oh one more thing about laura dirt this is about laura dirt 100 percent. i was listening to a podcast today something i do from time to time the podcast is a very good one it is called scary stories to tell on the pod it's they they'll go through like one of the stories from the scary stories to tell in dark franchise and they'll have a guest and they'll read it and like explain the cultural significance and the lore behind it and just like be funny and they were talking about laura dern our laura dern they were talking about go on um they were talking about a story where i forget the title but i'll give you like a brief synopsis it's like um this woman marries a man who does this strange thing where he goes swimming at night and then they have two kids and every night he takes them with him and then she finds out that he's turning them, they're all turning into alligators and she goes to see a doctor and the doctor's like, you're crazy, you're going in an institution. And she does. And they were, they were saying that perhaps Laura Dern could play this doctor. Yes. Or like I in, a, in like, a, like a slightly different adaptation, they were talking about perhaps the doctor is a therapist and the therapist is like very kind to her. But then she switches like at the last minute and says, you're going in a place where you won't be here. Oh, curveball. Yeah, I would love to see Laura. First of all, I would love to see like full, like dramatic adaptations of Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark, not just like the silly movie they made recently. Right. But yeah. Yeah, because those were quite frightening. Oh, yeah. Some of them were. I was like next level scary. Like, I love goosebumps and stuff, but that, like, at the end of the day, was not especially scary. Those were silly. Yeah. Or fun, or you like, get oh, out. dad's a plant monster. <laughs> I, oh, I love those like 90s videos. I have almost all of them on tape still. Love those, they're really fantastic. I can't take it off. Fantastic, but yeah, Laura Dern can be a villain sometimes. Take that in your but not in, not in the film I watch, film you watch, which is a. Big 
Big Dern. Well, we said it already, Nick. I know, but it was bad and it was worse this time. So. Big Dern. Uh, the film I watched is a beloved film from the year, I don't know, like 2000? What are we talking? That sounds right. Maybe like late, late 90s. Maybe like not. a 98, 99. I'm on Fred Willard's page now. I lost mine. <laughs> um, 1999, February 19th. October Sky. Is based on the book Homer Hickam. You know, it's funny, you know, the significance of the title, October Sky. I do not, actually. It's been a while since I've seen it. It is an anagram of the original memoir written by Homer Hickam called Rocket Boys. And I guess they just thought it was more. Very arbitrary way to name a movie. It does. It does, but it does, I, I feel like it evokes the main sentiments of the film, which is like, it's good, but also maybe too, like, sweetly wrapped up with a bow on it. Um, now I'm just thinking about if other movies did that, like, the book that about the scientists that they made the beautiful mind out of, like, if they had just, like, taken the name of the book and, like, anagrammed it, and it was, like, the frail peach or whatever. <laughs> anyway great title. That's dumb. or like or like if they renamed the next saw movie and it was called was <laughs> oh we really tickle each other anyway <laughs> um so october sky takes place in 1957 you know what happened in 1957 nick uh the music died no did it Wait, I, I feel like know. that happened later. Buddy. That was in the 60s. There's no way that was 1957. Um, it was 59, actually. All right. Well, yeah. We're both wrong. We both <laughs> suck. Nick. We both suck. 1957. What did the commies do? Oh, they launched Sputnik into orbit. And what was Sputnik? It was a sex robot, and they wanted aliens to fuck it. That is 100% true. Ah, it was just this dumb metal ball that beeped. Yeah, but what was the significance of it? Um, it was the first satellite. It was the very first satellite. First one. Sputnik. It was actually called Sputnik 1. Or however you say it. How do you say one in Russian? Yes. One. I, that, doesn't, that doesn't feel right. Uh, they launched Sputnik, and... One woman who recognized the uh, significance of this moment was a teacher in Colwood, West Virginia. A young Laura Dern. Nick. I, no, I mean, like, she was, act she was there. She's a timeless woman. Like, um, the old guy in the Green Mile, who was Tom Hanks when he was young. Michael Clark Duncan? Oh, um, like Tom Hanks. Like, he lives forever because Michael Clark Duncan. Oh, right, because, like, Michael Clark Duncan was sort of Jesus and gave him... Yeah. He gave Jesus him the powers. magic powers to make love to his wife. Like, inhaled bees out of his mouth. Yeah. And that, that was... asshole Percy. Oh, that son of a bitch. Wait, does that imply that, like, um, the Candyman and the Green Mile are the same universe because of the bee vomit? Yeah. Cool. You didn't, you didn't know that? I thought that was obvious. I literally never thought about that, but now I'm never not going to think about it. Yeah, actually, October Sky, same universe. Oh, I was... <laughs> I knew it! It's subtle, but they're like a couple bees. Ah, 
Michael Stipe owes me 20 bucks. Okay, perfect. <laughs> <laughs> so, Colewood, a young Laura Dern, who, by the way, perfect hair. Perfect hair. Love that for her. It's, it's like the, these, flow, these flowy kind of pillowy curls, like 50s curls, and it, oh, man, fantastic. Okay. Besides that, it's just that hair and then flat tops. Everybody else in the movie, men, women, children, flat tops. It's like she's Smurfette and everyone else is just a fucking coal Smurf. I just imagine all the little girls with like those buzzed cop haircuts. It's hilarious. Um, I'll admit something to you and our dear listeners is that I rocked a flat top for multiple years around the time October Sky came out. I... I thought you were admitting that you were alive in the late 50s, and I was like, what? In 1957, yeah. But the, the reveal there would be that I was, in fact, alive. The fact that I'd have a flat top would be expected. Yeah, you're, you're not. Uh, this is like 1999-2000, I was a, a young boy with a flat top. I think it was kind of cool. I had, a, I had a stick of butch wax, which is like sort of like wax to push it up, you know, kind of get that flat shelf right there yeah yeah maybe i'll bring it back <laughs> that'd be a choice <laughs> max that would be such a complete like 180 for you right now i guess i could do both if i sort of like <laughs> flat top in front like a flat top mullet i hate that so much <laughs> this is gonna happen paste it up like archie and then you Nick, have we're all in crisis i'm gonna have a flat top mullet and that's that um, so, Colewood, which, as it, the name somewhat suggests, is... Wait, let's, it's, uh, they, they mine aluminum. It's an aluminum mining town. No. Oh, what is it? Guess, guess again. I'm not just Lake. gonna hand feed it to you. What was uh, that? Slate. Slate, no. Uh, is it poverty? It's, Yes. <laughs> yeah, it is abject poverty, unless you happen to be um, perhaps the head of the company, because Colwood is a company bags. town. <laughs> it's a company town uh, where they mine coal. And one of the main guys who's mining coal during this time is Chris Cooper who you may know as just being like an angry dad in everything and also having won an Academy Award. Wait, Chris what? Cooper, Chris Cooper has an Academy Award for adaptation. Interesting. Yeah, Chris Cooper's amazing. Have you ever seen Adaptation? I have not, but I'm going to write watch it, down. it It's great. You'll love it. Um, uh, the, the role I recall more for him specifically would be in American Beauty, where he is the neighbor who uh, tries to, who mistakenly believes that Kevin Spacey is gay and then tries to solicit his love and then kills him? Is that it? Spoilers? Yeah, yeah. by now. Yeah, it's great. I mean, and he's great. You're allowed to spoil any Kevin Spacey movie because he's a bad person now. Oh, that's fair. Yeah. But, like, Annette Benning did no wrong that I'm aware of. Oh, she's we, pretty cool. Well, you know, does she... She shouldn't be taken down with him. No, but, you know, she's got plenty of other work that we are not allowed to spoil. 
Sure. Okay. That's you know, It's on the shit list. <laughs> Chris Cooper plays the father of our main character. Who's also a, an angry, closeted gay man. You, there are some serious vibes to that effect in that in this film. Uh, his son is a young Jake Gyllenhaal. This is the first thing I ever saw little Jakey in. Um, and he plays Homer Hickam. Homer who, Hickam. Who is inspired by the launch of Sputnik and by his teacher, Miss Frida J. Riley's um, encouragement to get really into rockets. And that might just sound like a kind of like nerdy and harmless thing. Like I, I did rocketry in elementary school. It was neat. It's a lot of rockets. It's fun. And it was like a kind of dorky thing to do, but it was like, sure, do rockets. But like in the context of 1957 Colwood, oh, don't go doing rockets, boy. <laughs> no, because this is a company town. And you know what we do in a company town? We mine coal. That's what we do here. So this is like the main thrust of the movie is that Homer wants to learn about rockets and his dad doesn't want him to. He wants him to work in the coal mines like his old man because that's what we do. Are you going to get a a football scholarship to West Virginia or you're going to work in the mines? Doesn't his dad like destroy a fence or a mailbox at some point because he's so mad uh no 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 the their first attempt at building a rocket they like blow up the fence maybe that's what it was i'm just like wires crossed there something wrong with your rocket it's been a while i've been like i just keep thinking about like how the dad reacts and i feel like had had his son said literally any profession except like coal mining or football he would have blown up like oh yeah I want to be Absolutely. a attorney. He would have just like punched him and said, no. Yeah. That's, that's You're basically what's up. Um, he, and to his credit, it isn't just like bad guy dad. It's not like the dad in dead poet society, which tries to hit like equally sentimental notes and is dog shit, even though <laughs> it feels good at first glance. And then you like actually like pay attention to it. And you're like, this is dog shit. And if you ever want, like, a better testament to that, read Roger Ebert's review of Dead Poet Society. Oh, I really want to. Scathing and fantastic. <laughs> but, so he's not, like, that completely one-dimensional dad in this. In this, he's, like, he, he can't imagine his son doing anything else. And he's a hard worker. So it's not, like... Oh, those damn rockets! It's like, and you know, he he, and he wants to be supportive of his son, but he doesn't really see any other way for him to be. So, like, he, you know, he strays into bad dad territory pretty hard. But yeah, they do have some of this sort of give and take where he like wants to do right by his son and appears, you know, to show some like pride in his son having this interest. But ultimately, at the end of the day, he's like not about. Because it's a coal mine in town. It is. And I, I did like, there, there were a few references that, that felt like they were drawing uh, this little theme between the company town and actually the Soviet Union that I thought was interesting. The, the name of the company is Olga, which is, of course, a Russian name. 
And they talk about like, oh, when he when they blow up the fence, the mom's like, oh, the company carpenter won't be able to come here for weeks. And it's all about like doing everything in service of the company. And it felt like it was trying to draw these parallels that like the almost arbitrary distinction where it's like this, you know, bastion of freedom is nevertheless like all under the thumb of this like overseeing controlling institution, everyone in Colwood, you know, it's all about the company town. It's like, oh, this doesn't feel at all different than like the Soviet government in that way. And it wasn't like a deep theme. They, they certainly like, it's not a Cold War film. It's really about Sputnik kind of um, triggering his interest, which it did in real life. Uh, but nevertheless, I did notice and was interested in those, par- in those uh, parallels. But a young Jake Gyllenhaal couldn't do it alone. He's got to solicit the help of the nerdy kid. And the nerdy kid, who goes by the name of Quentin, is played by none other than a young Shermanator. Of course, the legendary Shermanator from the American Pie franchise. American Pie 1, American Pie 2, like at least three of those like American Pie presents straight to DVD. Just like American, like hot white tits in bikinis, because that's like what it was. America, I do lo- I love American Pie though. It you know, can't hardly wait, but it like it hits. I was like the age where that was like the film. I must have been in like fifth grade or something. It's like, oh, oh, I can't wait to fuck a pie. <laughs> right. I'll never forget my first time having sex with a baked good. Uh, so Shermanator's in it, who also, by the way, was in the greatest teen comedy of all time, better than any American Pie, of course, can't hardly wait, in a very bit appearance as the kleptomaniac. Um, unfortunately, Laura Dern was not in Can't Hardly Wait, so I probably shouldn't like talk at length about it. I but mean, just know that I'd like to. You're just going to have to wait till your next birthday, I guess. <laughs> it's true. Uh, that's uh, next week, actually. Oh, man. Already. I'm a weird, I'm a weird young boy. You, you're like weird, like reverse Benjamin Button, but also it goes really slow. But you it's, have it's like a reverse B-Button, Billy, Billy Grier sort of. All, all mashed up, plus like a dash of like Terminator. There's some time travel. It's weird. Yeah, I got you. I was dropped on my head as a child. I mean, I fell down um, at first more than once. <laughs> Look at me now. So this film's like, those are the beats. Uh, Lord Dern's the teacher who really wants them to do good and wants to like keep encouraging them. The principal is sort of a bad guy who doesn't, you know, quit goofing with these rockets. Yeah, there's like a lot of that. It's like lines have been drawn. There are a few workers who help them with the rockets. There's one guy who like is the welder who secretly welds the piece they need on the rocket. And then there's like the dad who doesn't want them to do that. And there's a lot of that back and forth. One thing I did not care for, right? It's the rocket boys. There are four of them. You've got 
our lead. Danny's <laughs> what was that? I was making a grease joke. Never mind. <laughs> you said got... lead and I said Danny Zuko. <laughs> <laughs> You've got Quentin, who is, uh, you got the Shermanator, who is just the nerd who knows all about rockets. And then you've got like Jake Gyllenhaal's two friends and they bring nothing to the table. It's like, they're reluctant to get near nerdy kid uh, cause he's the super nerd. And they don't seem especially interested in rockets at any point. They're just sort of following Homer's lead. Like he's about it and wants to do more and more, but they're just like, all right, we'll, we'll be two other guys. Honestly, I feel like it's just something to do. Like, there's nothing in this town. Florida, yeah, it is Colwood. Or watch the Rocket Kid. Yeah, it's not like they're getting any nook. So, like, this is about it. (laughs) Yeah, that's yeah. Getting it now. They're like a few town screws, just some loose ladies. The only one getting nook in this film is Jake Gyllenhaal, baby. (laughs) With Laura Dern, obviously. Oh man, that'd be such a better movie. <laughs> he was doing all that rocket stuff just to sleep with his teacher, and it worked. <laughs> and it worked. The end. <laughs> Warner <laughs> Von Braun, <laughs> who gives a shit? He's banging his teacher. <laughs> and then it just morphs into that Adam Sandler movie. <laughs> that guy would have died of high fives. Like, <laughs> he had sex with his hot teacher, and he's been to space. Like,. <laughs> He has nope. not been to space. Oh, he hasn't. I was misled. What did he do? Was he just like a rocket scientist? Yes. Ah. So, spoiler alert, he gets real into rockets. Oh, yeah. You know. And you becomes a, uh, a rocket scientist for NASA. He trained uh, many astronauts. He trained Japan's first astronauts who went into space. Hmm. And, cool. yeah. So, he, he never, never went up himself. Which is probably good. Do you remember that story about that nutso astronaut who, like, tried to kill that other astronaut and wore a diaper on the drive across, like, many states so she wouldn't have to stop because there was, like, a love triangle with the third astronaut? I Man, that was juicy. I knew her name for the longest time. One second. If we're gonna do astronaut films, I'd say maybe, and this is just, like, a Hollywood tip in general, a little less of like the sentimental, hey, space, yay, dreams, and a little more of like the, hey, this astronaut went completely nuts, tried to murder one another. Huh. Her name was Lisa Nowak. Okay. Uh, trying to still in jail. Nowacking it for that guy after she cuts off his junk. Oh, I think that she... didn't happen. No, that was a different lady. That was uh yeah, that was Lorena Bobbitt, a true yeah, American yeah. hero. Also, apparently every astronaut has a it has a down to the minute amount of time they were in space on their Wikipedia. Oh yeah? At least I think mo- like most of the bigger what, ones. What did she clock? She clocked twelve days, eighteen hours, and thirty-six minutes. Yeah, that could make you go nuts. I get it. Hey man, I get it. But like, talk about the stresses of the job. Yeah, that that uh, Neil Armstrong, he was punching hippies left and right up till like recently. I believe that was Buzz Aldrin. Well, either way, just punching hippies—that's what they do. I Did guess. You, are you familiar with the video of old man Buzz Aldrin punching a guy? 
Oh yes, no, I'm. That's what I'm talking about, pretty much. I think it's just a generational thing. They just enjoy punching hippies. <laughs> um. Anyhow, so yeah, this less thrilling astronaut movie that's still quite nice uh, did introduce me to a new animal that I love, not unlike the sun bear of Grizzly Two, uh, because Homer decides to name their first rocket the Auk One. And one of the like whatever boys is like, oh why Auk? And Shermanator, you know, the cool one with some depth, is like, oh it's a flightless bird. And that's a good joke. And also look up pictures of Ox. It's A-U-K. And they're oh. like they're like a mix between a chick and a penguin. They look oh. like penguin colored chicks and they're great. Like- Oh, and I love them. Hawk beak and like duck feet, and then it's just a penguin. It almost it's like a dodo penguin. I love that. It's sort of dodo-y for sure. And they have like some of these are extinct, like big versions, but the ones around today are like cute, adorable little little pocket ox that I want. Oh, that is so, so listeners, get me an ox. Okay. Mail me one. I'm gonna next time I'm in an Uber, I'll be like, yo, you got an, you got some aux? And I'll be like, an aux cord? And I'm like, not what I'm talking about, bro. I'm Two trying stars. to stars. Two stars. <laughs> My friend used to do that in Ubers. He also drank a lot. Where he'd he would <laughs> jokingly say You haven't seen him in years. The, the rating in real time, he'd be like, oh, two stars, man. And it's like, <laughs> that is so mean. I hate you. Never do that. That's Listeners like people never do that. That's like people that will leave the full tip on the table for the whole meal and as the server makes mistakes, they take money. <laughs> take money away. Good lord. Oh. We know some evil people. <laughs> It's true. I'm glad I never encountered that in my server days. Most of you people were wonderful. I've never seen that. I've just heard stories of it. And the idea of it makes me, like, just cringe so awkward. Yeah. Like, oh, it's brutal. To do that. I will say, on the subject, because I feel like there's been a lot of hate um, for for the Karens, quote-unquote, of the world. I feel like Karens really having a, an internet moment here. And they will, and it's also often, uh, you know, partnered with the the quote-unquote, I'd like to see the manager haircut, these sort of mean and bossy and entitled mothers who who bully um, service industry folk. And I will say, especially having waited tables and bartended in North Carolina in a place that had quite a few of these haircuts, the only bad patrons I ever had they were a, a small handful over about a year of work. Um, they were, every single one was a drunk man. Every time. And it was usually a husband and the wife was just mortified while the husband's making a scene and trying to tough guy it. So like, let's hate them too, right? Hate Karen all you want, let's hate this asshole. I don't have a name for him yet. Internet. Let's just call him Mr. Golf Clubs because... Mr. Gold. Yeah. He's got the polo with the little alligator on. He's like beat red because he's mad. Yes. Yeah. Like he he's a he's also a Karen and he's a worse Karen. So like that guy sucks too. That sounds like a really profound circus act. Karen and Mr. Golf Clubs. Karen and Mr. Golf Clubs. It sounds like a vaudeville act. The finale. Did we do it? Should we take it on the road? 
we should. Let's do it. Bring back vaudeville. Entertainment's going to be so devolved after this big break that it's just going to be vaudeville again for another decade. I love <laughs> vaudeville. I do. It's timeless. And it's like, it transcends language usually. Like you could, anyone could watch vaudeville and just crack up. And What's, I feel like that's something that was a staple of a lot of old comedy. Like I love Lucy, which obviously, you know, there's language, but like, I, I think it was my great grandmother who didn't speak a lick of English who would just die laughing watching it. Um, but the Looney Tunes, right? And vaudeville. And it, it was a product, I think, especially of silent films where there was no language. So it was all so physical. And that's something you only need eyes to see. Exactly. I was just listening to a thing about I Love Lucy the other day. The cinematographer on that show was the German guy that made, like, Metropolis and... Oh, Fritz Lang? That's it, yeah. Well, Really? He like was someone else who worked on it? was ah oh, why can't i find his name he was the cinematographer on that movie as well as like a bunch of other like really well known one second okay in the meantime i will share my what i found to be the uh most amusing part of october sky wait one second i found it um it was carl frund carl frund with a k i bet Yes, but yeah, yeah, you, yeah, love that K. Carl. Like a bunch of the among Marxists. He did like the Universal Monster movies. A lot of them. He did Metropolis, and he did I Love Lucy. And they got him specifically because they wanted it to look like no other TV sitcom at the time. Interesting. He also kind of invented the way that sitcoms are shot now, like a big line of sets, and you just run through them if you're doing it live and you need it done quick. Hmm. Wow. Way to go, Carl. Could you gave us Big Bang Theory, and we'll be eternally grateful for that. Did a good thing too. So the funniest line of this film, yes, please is, go. On. There's so Jake Gyllenhaal's mom is like on his side and likes that he's pursuing this passion, and so she butts heads with Chris Cooper, angry closeted dad, <laughs> angry closeted cold dad, and. And she and she really gets to her last wit, and she says, "If you don't, right? If you don't let Homer do this, I'm I'm gonna leave you." <gasps> and he goes, "Yeah." And it's like really, it's what gets him to ultimately like watch his son launch a rocket, which he doesn't do until the end of the movie, <laughs> and, because he's a bad dad in the fifties. Oh yeah. <laughs> and and he goes. Well, where would you go? He's like suddenly like like well, uh, like where would you go? And she goes, Myrtle Beach, <laughs> and it's like totally played for laughs, and it's very funny. <laughs> I love uh, that's probably her dream. Like every time he's just the worst husband, she's like one of these days I'm going to Myrtle Beach and go to Myrtle Beach to live with my cousin. <laughs> Um, so Papa comes around they launch the rocket yay there was then like to add to like the sentimentality of it uh, Laura Dern's character has Hodgkin's disease and is like dying as this happens and dies at the end of the movie 
And watching it, I was like, this is dumb. Like, why? Like, you don't need to, like, put that on this. And then, of course, I'm reading around afterwards. I'm like, that was totally real. And this is a very real woman who has her own Wikipedia page and absolutely had Hodgkin's disease. So she didn't die until about a decade after. Well, that's good. Yeah, so she got to stick around and see see the beginnings of Homer's successful career and the rest of the Rocket Boys. Yes. But back, back to the Rocket Boys, I would have liked if the two other ones, like, give them some personality. They were, they were interchangeable, and they were just, like, two regular guys. When, like, Homer Hickam's already the straight man. Who, like, he likes rockets, but he's sort of the everyman. He's the, the Will Wheaton and Stand By Me. Like, where, where's my Corey Feldman? They were already at an hour 48. They could not have done this a two-hour movie. No one would watch it. They didn't have to do it a two-hour movie. Just take out half the shit about, like, my dad doesn't like what I do. Because that just, it's like several iterations of that. Like, the stakes are laid out. We got it. Max, it is 1999. Teen angst is at an all-time high. We need that anti-dad sentiment in this movie for it to take (laughs) off like a rocket. (laughs) And oh, how this movie took off. Nirvana, I don't have the numbers. I can Nirvana look them up. But like, it was a hit. This film, unless it was anti-dead. That's true. That's true. This is uh, in partnership with the anti-dad lobby. <laughs> Thank and you. rightfully so. Chris uh, Cooper's been getting paid by them for years. He's, he's in the back pocket of big anti-dad. <laughs> anti-dad. They got him on the take for sure. <laughs> It's like the Marlboro Man. We'll find out that Dad's killed him. (laughs) (laughs) So, so the rockets launched. We get um, Laurie Jern dies. Oh, and so the moment I referenced in the end of last week when this film was brought up, the only thing I vividly remembered, I said... So during this final moment where the last rocket launches and dad's there with son, I remember there there's being this wildly funny moment to a 12-year-old where the dad goes to, it's from behind the two of them, and the dad goes to put his arm around his son's shoulder. And as I remembered it, like it paused right near his son's butt and it just completely looked like he was gonna just squeeze his son's ass. And oh my God, it is absolutely true. I don't know how anyone could not see it. And so much so that before that, it's like a loving look. Nick, are you watching this moment right now? I am. I looked up um, October Sky Ass Grab and there's a video of it, but it does Oh, really? oh under that name, good, I'm not alone here. It's called October Sky Dash Ass and it's, it's a video, like, taped off of a tube television that is playing the USA channel. <laughs> but do you mean you paused it and his hand was over his ass? Or? Okay, so Nick, let me tell you. Because me... I'm watching it now and it goes up. And then it's on the shoulder, but... Yeah, okay, so here, one, I'm not alone. Someone went through the trouble of uploading this and I swear <laughs> it wasn't me. It might have been my friend I watched this with when I was 12. But... <laughs> Immediately before, the shot is from the front, and Chris Cooper looks at him like it might be like a completely romantic, passionate, like he's just going to make out with him. So there's that first. 
It's like this, like penetrating. Stare. Oh, it really is. And He's then, him with his and eyes. then what, what makes it look like an ass grab is that the camera, for a moment, is only showing Jake Gyllenhaal's ass. It's like supposed to show this tender and like tentative moment of dad bringing his hand up, but it doesn't show. You can't see their shoulders at first. You just see his butt, and you see this hand come across. And like, then the camera pans out a bit and goes for the shoulder. So that is absolutely true. Fantastic. I can't wait to dissect this clip even further later. Please. Then, of course, we have, during the end credits, a, an account of what the futures held for all these people. Homer went, along, went on to become... An, uh, an astronaut, a rocket, I think an astronaut. I don't know if they'd go to space to be an astronaut, but you know, worked for NASA, wrote some books, and his father passed away, probably from black lung or something, uh, in a, a handful of years after this. And then it notes that his mother moved to Myrtle Beach. Oh, she got her dream. Did it! Oh. Good for her. She deserves yep. it. Yeah. Uh, and that was October Sky. That is, I do have to say, that is one of my favorite parts of a movie that is a real story. Like at the end when they do the little thing and they're like, oh, this is what happened to everybody. Yeah, and you get to see the pictures and they're so much uglier than the actors. <laughs> I love that part. Just like, <laughs> they were a train wreck. <laughs> uh Golly, so you so you enjoyed this week's film? I did. I liked this movie as a kid. It's it's a ki- it's perfect for kids. Like it's yeah. it's a movie. It holds up. It's one if you have a some youngsters, you know, a nice one to show them if they're not quite ready for Stand by Me. I will say Stand by Me was the first R-rated film my parents let me watch, and that is the perfect. If you don't let your kids watch R-rated films, a wonderful one to start on. Stand by Me. That was the best choice my parents made, followed swiftly by the worst choice my parents ever made vis-a-vis my upbringing. And that was the second R-rated film they let us watch, which was a family movie night. Nick, this is painful. Like, I should probably talk to my therapist about this. Howard Stern's Private Parts. Oh, my God. A film with so much gratuitous nudity. And I was 12. 13 this oh god it's haunting i i recall it vividly and it's the most uncomfortable there is a woman who a topless woman who gives herself an orgasm on a, on top of a subwoofer i didn't really understand fully any of that and i had to experience this at the age of 12 in uh, the same room as my parents and like pretend that <laughs> This was okay. Oh. I do have to say that I think I watched that movie at exactly the same age as you did, but I watched it on my own because at that point in my life, I was like getting really into comedy and I just wanted to see like everything. And I remember really enjoying it. Yeah, Grant, there's nothing I, wrong with 12 year olds watching that movie. But that I got to be rules. Yeah, no, it's a great movie. It's funny. You get, I learned like the history of Howard Stern and like a quick 
here here and there with um Paul Giamatti. Paul Giamatti, Pig Vomit. It's a great, great movie. It took me a long time to come to terms with the fact that it's I mean if if I had to watch it for the first time with my family, I would have hated it, but it, it's a traumatic nightmare. Yeah, no, if you're a twelve year old watching private parts, you should be doing it at like a sleepover where you guys are all jacking it under the blanket. Even now, as a twenty three year old adult it's still person, a great way to watch. Well Don't no, watch I was gonna say family. That I'm watching The Sopranos with my family now because I'm stuck at home. And uh, whenever there's this, it's an HBO show, so the sex scenes are fairly graphic. And every time one comes up, I'm like, ooh. It's still, yeah, that never ends. That discomfort yeah. will live with you. I want to talk about it. Yeah. <laughs> oh, gosh. Whew, what a roller coaster. Yeah. Uh, Nick, what's, uh, what's between your derns? Between our derns? Oh, man. Um, well... This week, I've been reading some classic plays. I have a, pretty much a whole bookshelf at home of plays that I've acquired over the years from friends, from my high school library when they were given a bunch of those away, ones I've just found. So uh, this week, I did um, Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf? Very nice play. And I also did another very um, broken marriage adjacent play. Um <laughs> No, I think all the plays from that era are just about, like, terrible, toxic relationships. Um, A Long Day's Journey Into Night was the other one. I don't know that one. It's um, by Eugene O'Neill. It's, I think it was, I think it was his last play, or his second, like, it was, he was old when he wrote it, and he gave it to his wife as, like, a present, and then he, like, published it. Well, isn't that nice? Wouldn't that be cool to, like... Have like a classical work of literature have a, just been a present to you? Yeah. That'd be sick. I'd be down. If you're a writer, if you are a playwright, if you make cartoons, if you make uh, chamber pop, ensemble jazz, fusion jazz, rockabilly, not thrilled if it's rockabilly, but even if it is, listeners, make it for me. Hey. Some and then if it's good, then make it a real thing. Some and like, I'll, I'll, we'll mention you on every episode, every single episode. If you turn if you, something that you make for me, Max, not Nick, not turn after reading. This is for me. This is my thing. Nick, you, you get your own thing. We're allowed to have different things. Nick. Real talk, though. If anyone wants to make us a different theme song, please do. Because we are just, we are inches away from a cease and desist letter from the gay men's chorus or let it ride <laughs> let it ride ignore them they'll send them for you are gonna frame that cease and desist and it's gonna be one of your favorite things and you get to have that that belongs not, to you. it's not even untrue i would totally do that that sounds so dope yeah and we wouldn't even have to pay them royalties because we make literally no money doing this in I fact, do. we lose about $14 a month making it. <laughs> we are in the red. It's true. Uh, yeah, so uh, reading some classic plays about broken marriages. I got some some mail. I got a little mail in the mail. Oh, look at that. I know that mail. From you, from your sister, and I really enjoy it. I can't wait to take it to Philly and hang it on my little art wall, maybe put it in a nice little frame. I'm excited. What's, what's the name of the, the project there, if people want to learn more? Well, the project is Wonder Garden Growing. Is that yes, it? that is yeah. correct. That if is anyone wants a painting of a flower by a wonderful artist. Lovely um, stick, by the way. 
search for the hashtag Wonder Garden Growing on Facebook or Instagram, and you'll find my sister's info. And this stamp, I cannot say enough. Lovely stamp. I, that was the right pick. I thought I almost no. got Ronald Reagan stamps as just like a, a dumb uh, little bit of irony. I would, every time I use the American flag stamps, I put them upside down because it just feels right. Oh, that's good. I'm going to use that. Um, my roommate's mom is kind of like a little wacky and out there. And she's like a lot of like, a lot of like, po- like political feelings and every time she sends my roommate a letter the stamps are upside down and i know it's on purpose like, <laughs> very vehemently like a move to say like this country's falling apart i like it i get the but, but i still support the u.s postage system. no yeah of course the postage system's great it's the yeah. the country that doesn't help it at all if everything else about this uh this um oh and i uh, watched a movie this week also i decided to watch that Robert Altman movie I've been putting off for like three years. Which one? I watched The Player, finally. Oh, The Player! Starring Tim Robbins. Absolutely fantastic. I loved it so much. It had every famous person ever in it. Mm-hmm. And the cool thing is they're just like at, di- like at a restaurant or whatever, and you just see like Joel Grey or something talking to somebody, or you see like, um, at one point, what's his name? Um, John Cusack just walks by Tim Robbins and they're like, oh, I'll see you. I'll see you at that meeting on Monday. And he's like, yeah. And they just walk away. Like they just use fame so frivolously. And I love yeah. that so much. And, the and op- I, I've got to imagine that at least some of those were like, oh, John Cusack was literally going in for like a meeting or to shoot. Oh, yeah. And like they were shooting this like live on, I don't know what studio, but they were shooting it like at a studio lot. And like the opening, the whole opening is almost eight minutes long. Oh, I love it. It's so good. One one take, right? One shot? It took yeah. 15 tries, and it actually starts with the clapperboard, so you can tell that the one they used was the 10th take, which is interesting. Uh-huh. But yeah, it's crazy. I love it. Do you want to describe it a little bit? Um, I mean, I guess I could talk about it a touch. We got um, Tim Robbins is like a big hotshot executive at whatever studio this is. I don't really remember. And he's like, they're starting to challenge his authority a little bit because he's not like put not he's like he's putting money towards things that maybe aren't the best and like he's not really t- taking in enough projects he's very particular and then he starts getting these weird like semi death threats in the form of postcards sent to his office and they're not they're kind of death threats they're also kind of just like you didn't publish my work and now I'm going to make you pay question. Yeah. And he's sort of like a ruthless dick because you have to be to be like a producer of that level. And it it could be from anyone. Yeah. So he's under a lot of stress. There's like a person they bring in who's like kind of his replacement, but they won't say it. And he's like trying to figure out who's sending him these postcards. And then eventually he like looks in his little book and he's like, oh, it must've been this person because like they use the same words or something like that. So he goes to the house and he stalks this lady who's living there that he then later goes on a date with, which is weird. And he like, he calls the house and he's watching her on the phone with him and she doesn't know. And she's like, where's your husband? Who he thinks is the guy sending the postcards. Then he meets the guy at a bar and kills him outside of the bar. Cause they get into like, a, I don't even think it's a fight. Like I think it's a misunderstanding. And then Tim Robbins just like hits him with a brick or something like that. Yeah. And then he dies, and then Tim Robbins just has to live with this incredible guilt. They, they think it's him, but they never really pin it on him. Like, they try to, but it doesn't stick because he's rich and powerful and he has some sort of alibi or something. I don't know. 
And then near the end of the film, he gets another postcard or like a call and he finds out he killed the wrong person. And the person who is continuing to blackmail him now because he knows about the murder is basically reciting the plot of the film. And he says, that's the movie he wants to make. And he (laughs) says, and like, as you're pulling it in the very end, like the guy who he killed's girlfriend is pregnant with his baby. And he's on the phone and the guy's like, I want to call it the player. And it's just like the whole movie is just a giant circle. And it's fantastic. Oh, I love it. It's like such a, such a later old Hollywood film in like grandiose stature and all that. I really enjoyed it. Have I ever told you about the class I took in college on the fourth dimension? You mentioned it briefly, but go on. It was an, an art and literature class and (laughs) it was like literary and film um conceptions of the fourth dimension it started we read flatland which is like a very literal cool book from the late 1800s that envisions two-dimensional people in a three-dimensional space and what they would see and not see and it sort of gives us parallels to consider what a higher dimension might be like but a lot of it is the the breaking the fourth wall um cubism which introduced what if you painted from different angles at the same time, right? A lot of these ideas where you start challenging what is art when you play with the medium in that way. And something like starting a film with um, the clapboard and ending with, you know, calling it the player is very much wrapping it in there. Yeah. And I'll try to dig up a story I once wrote that like, I once read at a a small variety show in Brooklyn and I feel like it wasn't well received, but you would love it. It was um, (laughs) a a story about a man. What's that? Most things I like fall under that kind of category. Yeah. (laughs) But you would. (laughs) (laughs) It was a story about a man who um, becomes obsessed with finding and seeking the truth of the fourth dimension in Mel Brooks movies. Interesting. Oh, I love that already. No, yeah. please give me that. Oh, I got to see if I can find it. I wrote it like a decade ago. Um, it's fun. And his movies, he's always what, right, playing with the sure. anachronism of they didn't have this in Robin Hood's time or the breaking the fourth wall, like you or space balls, like rewinding the tape. You could do it. It's all that. So it's a, a fun, fun look into that. Love that. Alrighty, I guess it's time for one last turn then. Oh, you're not even gonna. What? Oh, I'm sorry. I forgot. We talked so wow. much. Wow. Wow. Look, Max. <sighs> this is a partnership, and you can't spell partnership without. You got this. And now it's your part of between two turns. What's between ah? Good save, Nikki boy. Great, but that's <laughs> all right. That was the sound of my last two. All right, we won't edit it. Hitting each other. Oh no, we don't edit here. This is the Wild West. (laughs) We should tell people we do edit. Actually, (laughs) this was originally four and a half hours of content. We had to trim the fat a little bit, as we we often do. We consider every episode a best of, and then we release the full eight-hour episodes onto our Patreon. (laughs) When you hear us, like, pausing and stumbling and Googling something... We felt that was important to, to oh, yes. that was a choice every it, single it, time. It's important for the story. Yes. 
I watched I watched two films and I quite liked both of them. I watched the HBO film Bad Education, which okay. is a new film. It is a um, drama based on a true story from Long Island, New York, which in the town next to mine, while I was in high school, the neighboring high school, Roslyn High School, a very prestigious, wealthy high school. Um, there was the largest embezzlement, largest school embezzlement scandal ever, where basically the superintendent and one of the administrators over the course of, I think over like a decade, stole millions of dollars. And Hugh Jackman plays the superintendent and he is so good. It is such a wonderful character. It is unnerving, but also like, he's like a rich, polished, he, he, he knows everything, he's very talented and he's rich and polished and like the sort of figurehead of the school and like almost this like political head, like he knows all the parents and he's got a schmooze with everybody. And he's very good at it, very proper and very vain. Um, and but seems to have like a genuine interest in the students, um, but is secretly stealing millions of dollars. And Allison Janney, who is the best, I'm now realizing maybe we should scrap this whole thing, do an Allison Janney podcast. I'm thinking Drop Dead Gorgeous, I, Tanya. We could just, you and I could watch all of Mom together. You know, what well, she is especially fantastic looking true what we should have done is we should have done two episodes a week and we would alter we would choose two actresses and alternate so we could have done like dern tuesdays and her thursdays or that's getting a little muddied i feel like let's just scrap the whole thing and do janny we're we're a janny pod now what what am I gonna do with these five? Oh shit! No, then I have to watch The West Wing, and I never want to do that. All right, Darren, you're back. Darren's back. My mm-hmm. high school, no, my community college script writing professor worked very closely with Aaron Sorkin when he was writing The West Wing. Gross. Yeah, and he like he got called in really early one day, and it was like him and a few other guys, and like. There was just this lawyer there, and he's like, yeah, Aaron got arrested with a bunch of coke last night, so we're going to have to take a few weeks off. <laughs> he, just told, he told us this story, like, the first day, and I was like, we get it. You're cool. And he, <laughs> I mean, I'd brag about that, too. He basically, like, he... <laughs> I would brag to children about... He built up, like, this huge that. thing where he was like, ah, I was I, Hollywood's evil. I had to leave. It was either be evil or have a family, and I chose family. And then he got fired eventually. I don't know. He was kind of a weird yeah. guy. Yeah. Sounds like a guy who'd like date a student. Oh yeah, I think that happened. Anyway. Uh I was hoping you'd say, yeah, like my this teacher embezzled millions of dollars. That would have been super <laughs> cool. He was actually an acting coach at my community college in Northampton, Pennsylvania. And he, <laughs> he embezzled millions of dollars and then left. Yeah. Back to Australia, the criminal island. <laughs> True. Uh, he's got a good, solid, not too, um, intense New York accent, but Alice and Janney 
Nails. If you want to learn what most women on Long Island sound like, <laughs> Alice and Janney's portrayal of one is so it was like just I didn't realize I was homesick for for Long Island until I heard that and it was like a warm blanket. I absolutely adore a good Long Island accent in a television show. As I'm watching Sopranos right now, I'm really, really in hog heaven. <laughs> oh yeah. They, I mean it's not the same as a Jersey accent. But, I know, but there's definitely some Long Island accents in it. Good. There's a lot of crime families, you know. That's true. And then another film I watched that was also just a warm, comfortable blanket. Last night I watched a new Netflix original by the name of The Wrong Missy, which is the latest from Happy Madison Productions. It's got the Sandler crew. I haven't seen, I know they've made a bunch of random stuff here and there. I haven't seen much of it in a while. Um, I don't suspect most of it is very good at all. This was, I loved it. I loved it. And it was the part of me that would like laugh out loud at like Rob Schneider just saying something juvenile and absurd. Uh, it, it, you know, it's no Billy Madison. It's not on that level, but it does, it is quite funny. I enjoyed the hell out of it. And the reason what makes it legit, why I would recommend it to someone beyond any of, you know, you don't need to like Sandler movies. He's not in it. David Spade stars in it. Alongside the titular wrong Missy, who is Lauren Lapkus. And most of it, it's great because it's like, it's got the Sandler stuff. And, you know, it's got the Tommy Boy elements. David Spade's kind of straight man. It's got a lot of familiar faces. But most of it is just, hey, Lauren Lapkus, go. I and she oh, is... So phenomenally funny. She plays, so David Spade is sort of a lovelorn man and goes on this awful blind date with Lauren Lapkus. And she is just, uh, just a loud, obnoxious, psychotic lunatic. Uh, love and it. then he meets this woman who's like his perfect dream woman, this beautiful woman in an airport. They share a lovely moment. And he intends to text the one and invite her to Hawaii for his company retreat. He invites the wrong Missy, as it were, and it's Lauren Lapkus. And she is so crass and wonderful and brilliant. If you don't know her, you're about to. She is so goddamn funny. It makes me wish she were in all of these movies. And it also, it felt like a classic comedy and just sort of, uh, we don't have enough good just like films with a simple premise like that. Yeah. It's like a clever conceit and just well executed, largely on the shoulders of a killer, killer lead. She is, even if you don't like the movie, and plenty of people like it, they're just like, I thought it was kind of dumb. Sure, that's not an unreasonable take. But even they're like, oh, and Valorapius is amazing because she is. And if you just have crude and somewhat juvenile sensibilities, or you want to feel young again, I can't recommend it enough. It's it's a, a real treat. It was such a joy. I want to feel young again. Yeah, you just had a birthday, old man. I did. I'm I'm aging. Yeah. <laughs> it's a shame. I can I... tell because you you look like a like you live in the dust bowl a hundred years ago. 
I do look scruffy, and I was wearing a green shirt earlier, and I look so much like Shaggy, it wasn't even funny. Oh, no, is that like sort of, oh, you should have said Shaggy when you described me. I don't, now that you mention it, I see it. It's the hair part. Green shirt, you, the like, it's like, just, it's the right shape, and it's got. the, The part in your hair is just what's not Shaggy. I don't know. I don't even, I would need to see an image of him, I guess. Shaggy. Shaggy, shaggy, shaggy. Not the rapper, though. Eh, I guess he doesn't really have much of a part. It could work, though. I've got something right. here. Yeah, like if you were to do a shaggy costume. Oh, I've done it. <laughs> oh, there you go. It has been done. Although I guess I would need to lose the mustache. He only really has what? a little stuff on his chin, I guess. That's a Yeah, shame. he's just got that little, that little patch beard. Yeah. Well, one best. One day indeed. So what else? What else we got to do? Uh, I think that's basically it. Oh wait! Oh wait! You're, we have to do a little turn. Was perfect. Ooh, chills! I have chills. Look. <laughs> anyway. True. So a uh, little during this week was a little TV movie called Happy Endings, and guess what? I How was it, Nick? I couldn't find it anywhere. What do you think it was about? I can read the well one sentence on IMDb. There is no Wikipedia about it. Nobody in it seems to have any importance aside from Laura Dern. Um, there's not even an image on the IMDb. It's a teenager postpones his determination to become a songwriter so that he can keep his younger brother and two sisters together as a family following the death of their parents. Not worth it. No. It's, or like, um, it wait, has a songwriter? A six star, like generally like... What was that? He, he didn't, he wanted to postpone his career as a songwriter? That's what it seems like, yeah. He can write really? songs like while he's cooking dinner for his brother and sister. Come on, guy. You'd think that. It seems um, the man who plays the lead role of J- Jimmy Bartlett, Bart Bartlett, Jimmy Bartlett, Jimmy Bartlett, it's an um, American name. Lee like Pears, Bartlett Pears, is Lee Montgomery, who stopped acting in 1988, just several years after this movie, and he was in a bunch of weird B movies, <laughs> and that's that is the top billed man in this film. Was he in any pornos? Um, it doesn't say that on IMDb, but he probably was, had a porno's name. He was in the film Ben, which is a sequel to the film Willard. I've that heard is, of this film. That's his top build film on his IMDb. He was also in a movie called Burnt Offerings. He was in Girls Just Want to Have Fun. He was in Dead of the Night. His last film. Girls was, Just Want to Have Fun. That could be a porno. That could be, but it's not. It's not a porno. His last film was The Legend of Wolf Lodge, which seems to Does be, not sound like a porno. That actually, the image does look quite porno adjacent. Oh, yeah, we'll put it on the ground. Actually, he looks not bad. I might watch that. So... Can I ask a question? Go ahead, please. When, when do you suppose the... Like, when did we lose the O in porno? Like, when did it become porn? Because porno is more fun. I'm realizing, like, I'm going to make the conscious choice. I don't know that I say the word porn too often. 
but now that I am, I'm going to really try to make a conscious effort to say porno. I think, like, porno was a better word back when porn was, like, a more elusive thing. Because it was more, like, it's like a unicorn or Bigfoot. You had to go to, like, a theater or get, like, break your cable box and get Skinamax or get a weird magazine from a newsstand. Like, you couldn't just get it on your phone all the time. Like, it was more... Oh, yeah. I I mean, I, I caught the tail end of that era. I was yeah. there before the porn porno Iron Curtain fell. I was I was, you know what I was like I was VHS tape. That was it. It was some some sketchy mags that like my friend sketchy like neighbor had. Yeah, David you probably, has man, you just came out of the womb and it was just hey internet just porno 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 right. Internet porn was the wall and your dick was the chisel. <laughs> And David Hasselhoff was there singing the whole time. So yeah, uh, this movie doesn't exist. It aired on TV the day after Christmas in 1983. Okay, so it was like, do we know what network? No. It's up to you to track it down. You literally find nothing about this film. Um, It was in color. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Like seriously, there is so 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 minimal stuff about this um oh there's a parent's guide with nothing in it yeah no this movie doesn't exist as far as i'm concerned it was her sixth um the sixth like thing in her filmography so it's pretty early yeah yeah man i don't know what to say i i beefed it on this one it's, yeah, i'll take I the think, i don't think it's your fault it's not no it's i don't know <laughs> It's probably some defunct, like, Michigan-run TV network, and they just burned all their originals <laughs> for warmth one day. Oh. But yeah, it's I'll, a lost film! It is, just like uh, all those silent films that don't exist anymore, because people yeah. used to suck. And they still do, but they used to suck more. Mm-hmm. The of preserving films. Yeah. So yeah. That's that's my really short short dern. Real real tiny dern. Yeah, it's just a miniature dern. I've been getting a little a little side dern on. Oh. A little non-pod dern. I, oh. I did just I finished uh, Big Little Lies. Oh, now I got to watch all of it. <laughs> great. Like we'll yeah, it's great and it's better than watching all of Kid Nation. Oh, something we both totally did. I watched nine or ten episodes. I watched a good chunk myself. Nick watched two episodes. Yeah, closer to five. Nick watched three episodes. <laughs> and didn't realize that that's not closer to five. It's Math is a funny thing, isn't it? Oh. Big Little Eyes is great. I've, I've heard really good things about it. She's fantastic. Isn't it's it? um, uh, a Miss Zoe Kravitz in that? Zoe Kravitz is so good. Yeah, is she in That's other stuff? Awesome. I know it's Lenny's daughter, but I don't know she her. She was apparently in the new Mad Max film, and I didn't realize it until, like, yesterday. Oh. She was one of, like, the oh, slave so. girls that uh, What's-His-Face wanted for something or another. Right, right, right. <laughs> you know, the movie, Mad Max. Yeah. But no, basically, you're going to watch Big Little Eyes, and then we're just going to spend like an hour talking about how much we want to murder Meryl Streep. I can't wait. 
It's great. That's the worst she's product. Great. She's, the, she's the worst. She's like so easily the most hateable character uh, maybe ever. I'm going to give it to Meryl Streep in Big Little Lies. Ever. Like, maybe worst ever. Character. He was a character in Oh, that. right. That, right. You're one of those Holocaust didn't happen guys. Stop that. I... I like the implication that Holocaust deniers don't even believe <laughs> he was an actor. <laughs> it was all a all a clever ruse. No, don't quote me on that. That's terrible. The Holocaust was very real. Uh, I used to have this. I used to have two copies of this documentary, and I don't have either of them anymore. And it was called like the Purple Triangle, and it was all about Jehovah's Witnesses who were detained during the Holocaust. Oh, God. But it was also only about one family specifically, and it had a very, like, a guy made this for $500 kind of feel to it. Sounds, anyway. Sounds like a future that's, lost that's film. <laughs> Alrighty, now, do you want to know what you're watching next week? I would love to. Well, you get a little during this time, and you'll definitely be able to find this one. It's called The Baby Dance. Beg pardon. It's called The Baby Dance. It's a 1998 family drama starring Laura Dern and I think the woman who played the bad girl in Greece. Um, yeah, Stockard Channing is in it as well. She played um, Rizzo, I think. Oh, yeah, that's Rizzo. Anyway, so it's a pregnant mom is like Wait, did you just call Rizzo the bad one? I mean, not Rizzo bad, but like you know, rules. like she, oh, no, she's, she's like, like bad girl. Yes, yes, she's the like, cool uh, one. Yeah, she's a baddie. She's not like bad. Yeah, no, she, she's, she's, like, she's, like a she's a bad bitch. Yeah, she's like a broken typewriter. She missed her period. Still one of my favorite <laughs> lines from Green. Like, it's so dripping with 1950s. Like somebody said that to explain that they might be pregnant. That is. Ugh. <laughs> Anyway, so yeah, it's um, it you're gonna get a, tr- a trailer park Laura Dern, who uh, uh, they're in like a rundown trailer park. She doesn't have a job. Her husband's out of work, and they like she's pregnant, and she has to decide if she wants to sell the baby or not. Basically, didn't you do this one already? I don't think so. You didn't do this one, but like, didn't wasn't there already like? She was. That's basically her character in like the that part of a David Lynch movie you watched, isn't it? Yeah. She plays like that Southern pregnant, like maybe homeless woman. Oh, she had a home, but yeah, she was down on her luck. She maybe had a man. Yeah, I feel like late 90s, this is pretty much like who Dern was. She's getting a lot of this just like Southern. And she like, I think I don't appreciate how much her face it's not that it's changed, but, like, it's definitely aged in a very graceful way, because her face in these pictures is, like, so, like, Jurassic Park-era dirt and face. Mm-hmm. And then I think about her face more now, and I'm like, wow, she's really switched it up. Yep. Crazy. She's a shapeshifter. She, she is and a... And it's got animal. my birthday buddy, Peter Rygert, from Animal House. I do not think I've had a birthday buddy in any of our movies yet. No. Sigmund Freud was not in one of our movies. That's unfortunate. Oh, humble brag. Just saying. I also have a Citizen Kane, that guy. Orson Welles. Fictional character. He does not have a birthday. And uh, you know what I get to watch next week? What? 
Star Wars: The Last Jedi. Ah! Finally, that's to suck, Nikki. I get to watch purple hair Dern do what she does in that movie. Okay, so is that is the okay? So that's number eight. So that's the the second one. Is that the only one she's in? Wait, or that's number in, eight. That's no, that is eight. I'm sorry. Don't, that, don't yeah. come at me on Roman numerals, bro. I'm not good at them. I could not tell you what Super Bowl it was if you just showed me like the image. <laughs> I would be so lost. It just was that, just L. Yeah, that'd be like se- I don't. I re- I don't even know. Seven. Like, <laughs> is it? I don't know. Fifteen. Oh, okay. Yeah, like I could do a few. There's a like I can. I'm very basic. In, I can speak Roman numerals about as well as I can speak Spanish. No, that's not <laughs> even true. I can speak better Spanish than I could just read Roman numerals. But yeah. <laughs> Or next week's going to be a big spoiler alert episode if you haven't seen that Star Wars movie. I've seen... I don't know if I've seen that one. I think no, so. I don't really the only one she's in. Talking about our listeners. Yeah, I, but like... It was about them. Um, yeah. You know. Star Wars. You have, you have not yet seen it. No, I have. I've seen oh, all... Okay. I think I've seen them all up to date. I haven't watched the um, prequels in quite a while, but I'm pretty up to snuff on my Star Wars. All right. Maybe I'll just watch the Christmas special instead. Who knows? No cheating. Oh, fine. Guess I'll watch this one, actually. All righty. Well, I don't know what else we have to do. We did uh, all of our ducks are in rows. We uh, talked about the ass grab. We talked about the virus. And we talked about Fred Willard. That's pretty much everything you got to talk about on a podcast these days. Yeah. Yeah. I I was thinking, I was like, Jerry Stiller. And I was like, eh. Oh, I thought we talked about him last week. Did we? I don't know. I like. Did we do, did we do Siegfried and Roy? We, oh, we did. Okay, we did this tangent, and it was before Fred Willard. Because I was like, I know I talked to somebody about all these deaths, and it had to be you, because I wouldn't just call a friend and talk <laughs> to celebrity deaths for fun. Although I would. I'm like, oh well, Max is a sick fuck. Yeah, that must have been <laughs> it. Um, Lynn Shelton, whose films I have not yet seen, but I'm excited to watch. Aww, she was dating Mark Maron, I think. Yeah, I want to listen to the episode where he met her. Aww. I did. I did read his a transcript of what he said in on the podcast. God, I yesterday about her. And it's, I read. Oh, that. it's brutal. It's so heartbreaking. I hope he's okay. Mark, I know you're a listener. Deal with it as best as you can. Also, like maybe just I mean not now in this moment of grief, but like. In general, like, I don't know, you're kind of grouchy. He's up on the grass, you know. I thought you were going to proposition him to to um, suggest people listen to this podcast. If no. you want to plug our podcast, if you want yeah. something to distract you in this time of mourning, plug our podcast. That hey, is morning. wildly poor taste. Now morning. I'm mad. Morning, noon, or night. Wait, we uh, have fan. Speaking of wildly poor taste, we have fan mail. I wish death upon... You said something about mail when we started. Oh, no, I was talking about this. Oh, that mail. Oh, I thought you were going to tell me that, like, someone got mad because I wish... Actually, no, um, you you talk for a second. I'm going to check our email once every month. (laughs) 
this here's Dern After Reading, and I'm skimming words from Lynn Shelton's Wikipedia page. Uh, Did you know she was married to actor Kevin Seal, with whom she had a son, Milo Seal? It's interesting that uh, the Wikipedia editor chose to put Milo's first name and last name. I feel like probably proper um, styling would be to just say she was married to actor Kevin Seal, with whom she had a son, Milo. And that makes me worry that the quality of Wikipedia is something we take for granted, but that may be deteriorating if we're not uh, supporting it in the ways we should. I think about all I've ever used Wikipedia for, and I uh, recommend you donate. I recommend I donate. And hey, if you're not doing much, you got some downtime, do some Wikipedia, like learn how to be one of these people who cleans it up and stuff. Like I, hobby. I have done my share of Wikipedia editing in my day. I have, but it was never, you know, sanctioned. It was like I was in G Unit for a couple minutes. I mean, like I never did anything. I didn't like, you know, I saw this one guy and he went in and made um Cherry Seinfeld's Wikipedia hypothetical. So like he changed he changed like every pronoun and every like thing. <laughs> So that, like, to suggest he is a concept and not a real person. Like, it was, it was, and he got, like, he got straight up, like, man, like, he cannot even go on it now, which is great. Anyway, I would always do, like, helpful things, like, add a picture that is helpful or something. That's good. I, I have done one or two helpful things, but, like, that's it. Like, um, I could, we didn't get an email. We have a bunch of emails from Podbean, and that's pretty much it. Yeah. One day. So send us some mail. Send us some hate mail. I feel like the three people that listen to us are listening to us like delayed, so they're like five episodes behind. And by the well, time dude, we you gotta catch up. up. We'll be no, all they're all they're all hey, you listen to the new Dern yet? It's like, no shit, I gotta do that. We'll go home and do it right now. That's what they're saying. The Mary three people, the three trillion people who are listening to us. If you if enough people listen, we'll do better, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> you, oh, you want us to edit shit? We'll get 10 other people to listen. If you want quality, we need quantity. So stack them fitties, touch them titties. Anyway, <laughs> my friend has a tattoo that says that, like, right there. It's That's real. a terrible choice. No, it says, it says stack Your friend's an idiot. She is a lovely sex worker who I support. I doesn't mean she's not an idiot. I support <laughs> that entirely. I love that she has that tattoo. That is it. I should reiterate, uh, we're not actually friends, but we have chatted on occasion. Anyway. You follow this woman on OnlyFans? No, on Instagram. But okay. I have sent her money on one or two occasions for her cat, I think, was sick. I don't really remember. Oh, well, isn't that nice? Guys, go support a sex worker's cat in this time. Them only fans for cats. I would bet, yeah. I would do it. I would just buy shit for cats. I'm in love with a cat on Instagram that's just like a random um, comedy woman I follow's cat, and now I'm in love with Dinah, this beautiful, fat, old cat. That's that forbidden love. Fills me with joy. Forbidden love, my word. Do you think um, Cat Fancy has its own OnlyFans, like for cats? 
Yeah, it's called OnlyFans. Ah, oh, God, I'm really glad we're in separate counties right now. <laughs> I'm glad there's distance. <laughs> Should I go? I mean, yeah, we're. It's not going to get any better from here. <laughs> Goodbye, Nick. Goodbye, Max. Goodbye, listeners. See ya. Be good. More.